It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Gang's all here. Nate Bauer, Sean Fitz together here on the BWI live show. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. All to preview the summer's most important event. And I mean that both literally and sarcastically. Because Lift for Life is an incredibly important event. Lift for Life is an amazing event that helps uh, rare research and d- disease research to, to fight the battles that are super hard to win. Um, Lift for Life, the event for us, is a great summer uh, event we get to go and we get to just kind of hang out and observe and see what's going on with Penn State football. So we're here to preview all of that and your questions here on the BWI Mailbag Show, which goes every uh, every Wednesday. Nate uh, with Fitz here. Ninety nine percent of the submitted questions were about recruiting. I imagine those that are going to be in the thread are also going to be about recruiting because we're in the thick of recruiting season. Uh, but guys, that's what's coming up on the show today. What's going on with you, Nate? How are you doing today? I'm great. I'm great. That, I'm, you know, stuff. Right? You, you, uh, you are bleeding summer on screen. You got the white shirt. You're looking great. Looks like you've been out golfing a little bit. We whoa. got the real on summer vibes here. You know, that's very observant of you because I, I feel like I'm in the middle of summer. It's a, it's a <laughs> good, good time. Uh, Fitz, you're in the middle of summer, which means a haggard recruiting uh, vibe about you as well. How are you hanging in with all the information, all the stuff coming up? Well, we're doing great. Uh, if you check the site on Monday, or excuse me, on Tuesday, we had so much content. We had new RPM picks. We had the Ask Around segment, which has quickly become a favorite of mine and Ryan's and a lot of users on our site at bluewhiteillustrated.com where we can kind of riff and, and get into a little bit deeper. I mean, uh, we're only going to get so deep on a free podcast, so it's kind of like that, except more deeper yeah. information. So uh, definitely check that out. Just so much going up on the site and June is flipped on its head, man. This used to be a, a no man's land. Like there's used to be nothing here. They certainly um, changing the recruiting calendar helped. Uh, we used to look forward to Lift for Life as a, you know, just kind of a like a beacon in the summer to to get us yep. to preseason camp. And now it's just like another day. So I'm and I'm thankful for that because there's a lot to cover. There's a lot to uh, a lot of excitement here in Happy Valley and in in looking forward to. Uh, Looking forward to the 2023 season. And of course, it is a recruiting day as well. I see we've already caught in the ch- in the chat. Happy Tysier Denmark Day. He's set to announce at 6 p.m. Um, so we'll be waiting out that decision. Uh, stepped away from his commitment to Oregon uh, over the weekend while at Penn State for an official visit. There are dots to be connected there. They're not that hard uh, to do. So I, I think that we might uh, we might talk later, T. Frank. Yeah, yeah, we we there's a good chance that we'll have something later on this afternoon, which is always, you know, we're three minutes in. I try to, you know, have some other stuff happen first, but it's a good point to say subscribe to Blue White Illustrated here on YouTube and hit the notification button so that when breaking news happens or so you can join the Monday live show when we go live, 
great great reason to subscribe and then it'll show up on your phone you go oh hey look they're live you click here you are uh just like old man jenkins just like tom who says good morning thanks for everything on the site this weekend made a week of being sick not as bad tom and i were in the same position uh this weekend so lots of great content from everybody keeping <laughs> keeping the wheels churning um get him to live for life though you, we, we've talked about it as kind of this event in the middle of the summer that really what it is for a lot of people is it's the either the end of the summer months previewing the last stop last time we'll be talking to any Penn State football players before fall camp starts so it's kind of the last event for all of us on the calendar and it's my favorite because we get to play the looks like game coming up tomorrow uh, this is the first time we got our chance to look at Chop Robinson last year. It's our first chance that we got to see Hunter Norzad. A lot of uh, new faces last year that we got to observe and say, hey, that guy looks pretty good. Abdul Carter, our first chance to look at Abdul Carter last year during Left for Life. Man, that guy looks pretty good. So I just want to play looks like game with you guys this year. There's uh, maybe not as many. Uh, young players specifically, that class of 2022 had a lot in it of players that you you had an eye on for 20 for, for the season but there are players that we need to get our first eyeball glance at so uh Fitz who are you looking for in the looks like game tomorrow who do you want to get your eyes on for the first time always look at the freshmen and I've seen them a couple of times since they've been on campus because they've been popping around during camp but uh Dakari Nelson is a big dude and, and a big dude in the sense that he looks like he's a safety too like he's still got room to fill out if he was going to eventually be a linebacker so that's that's def definitely one there. Interested to see King Mac. Uh, obviously not as big, but like the reviews on him as an athlete are pretty good so far. Uh, beyond that, you got guys that are have been here for a couple of months. You look at the transformation that Tony Rojas has made. Anthony Donka is one of the larger human beings I've ever been around. I've been a around a lot of large humans. He's just massive, absolutely massive. Uh, not quite Vengai Ione, but uh, he's uh, he's pretty massive in his own right. So some of those guys that have popped up in the class of 2023 so far, and yeah, we're of course always excited to see Venga because uh, <laughs> James just can't help you know tripping over himself to uh, to talk about how this kid looks. So um, no, I mean it's uh, it, it's always fun to see the young guys because when you look at the transformations that guys make i mean most of them happen within the first 18 months on campus so like you're gonna see a guy go all of a sudden just sprint out of the gates and be a different human being than he was when he enrolled and then it's gonna slow down a little bit naturally as you're gonna find your natural weight find your natural strength numbers and things like that so always excited to see the young guys and live for life and those are a couple that just uh come come to me off the top of my head I'm glad you brought up Vega because I had I was looking through some of our photos from Lift for Life last year, and the funny thing is Vega came in big. Like this is a big person, yes. and he looks I don't want to say twice as big as he is now, but the if you could imagine this player filled out even more since last year. So like that's what we're talking about of like the, these guys that, uh, as Fitz pointed out, like they on, they get on campus, they kind of get into their their weight gaining rhythm, um, and then it's just it's just funny how like all of that seems to pr keep progressing for certain guys. Nate, who do you have that you're getting your eyes on for the first time that you're curious about? Okay, I want to get a baseline understanding of X. Yeah, so so two two small sidebars. Uh, the, the first being that with my physique from this chair, uh, everyone looks like a freak at, at <laughs> life, right? <laughs> like, there's, there's no... Uh, 
there's no distinguishing between uh, uh all of these guys they all look ripped they're they're massive it's uh it's kind of crazy um you know from that perspective i'm not i'm not blessed with being tall uh and or ripped like you guys um but uh the second is vega uh actually was uh leaving the restaurant that i went to with my family on saturday night and you guys know that scene uh in independence day where the the spacecraft it's just like this casting shadow just like <laughs> overwhelms i wondered where you were going with that <laughs> that was that was what passing vega uh was like in a in a cramped uh hallway but no uh yeah it, I, i'm looking forward to to seeing everybody i i don't know i think that you know a guy like javen is interesting to me right like how how do some of these um you know as fit said obviously we're going to we're always looking at the freshmen and not only are we always looking at the freshmen, but the freshmen aren't really participating. They're not competing the same way. They're usually throwing footballs and just kind of ha hanging out. But you do get you do get to to see them. Uh, and then I'm also looking to see, uh, you know, kind of how jacked the strongest guys are. Right? Is Jordan Vandenberg and and Hunter Norzad are those two guys going to duke it out as uh, you know for for bench press reps again? Uh, right? Like, what does Caden Wallace look like? All, all of those guys. Um, that that kind of man the trenches, I would say, uh, are always interesting to me. And uh, yeah, we'll see. It, we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah, the uh, the strength competition. The funny thing is, like a lot of times for me, that is the last thing that I, I because they have it away from where our general keeping area is, and there's always about a hundred football players around those things. But you you can go see those things if you want to during Lift for Life. I just am always everywhere else mark has a good one in here of other than true freshman and retro freshman it's always hakeem beeman yeah where are we in the hakeem beeman scale because james franklin made some uh very promising comments uh, about a week and a half ago about hakeem beeman so that that's a that's a good one to put up there um transfers i think are interesting too dante cephas i don't know that the looks like game is necessarily important with dante cephas but at the same time like just getting an idea of what he looks like as a football player, what he looks like as a human walking around. Uh, I think that's the number one that comes to mind that you guys haven't mentioned already. Um, maybe some of the other guys, like, you know, we got to see Landon Tengwall last year. We got to talk to Landon Tengwall. Uh, where, where's he? How's he doing? Because we didn't get to see a ton of him uh, last football season, and he's a very important player coming into 2023. So, you know, just an update on any of those things. Um, anything else from Lift for Life that you think is important to mention? And I want to make a shout out there. If you if you feel like donating, you feel like uh, being part of the cure for rare diseases, you can go to, uh, I believe, liftforlife.org. You can check out Drew Aller. Um, trying to think of the other guys that I've seen posting on social media. You can check out their tweets, their social media pages. They'll have links to where you can donate there as well. But is there anything else you guys are interested in tomorrow that we can preview what we might see over at bluewhiteillustrated.com for people who uh, want to get a preview of that? Not particularly in terms of that, but I just we always like to watch the redshirt freshmen, and I just highlighted some here just going through the list. I mean, Caden Saunders and Tyler Johnson, a couple of guys that you're curious to see after a year in the program how much bigger they are. Johnson's listed at 195. Like he was, I think, 170 some uh, at some point. So he's getting getting bigger there. Uh, Caleb Artis, we're going to have this nonstop discord about how big are the defensive tackles? He's a pretty big defensive tackle in Caleb Artis. So I'm curious to see where he's at um, athletically in the competition. I mean, this is 
one thing during the year. I mean, I don't want to say the coaches don't care for lift for life, but it's just a different, um, different style of workout than they're used to. It's different expectations than they're used to. Um, so you're, you're going to watch the competition aspect. You're going to watch how these young guys, you know, if they've sort of assimilated to, to what they need to be, to be college players, like there's a certain amount of buy-in that you need and it's roughly a hundred percent. Are those guys <laughs> there? I mean, we've seen some guys that, uh, have, have, have bounced that are just haven't been there in the last couple of years. So get over that first hump as a freshman, as a redshirt freshman, get there. And like, we're still talking about like the guys at the end of their actual freshman year, like deny Dennis Sutton, like artists, um, you know, like Abdul Carter, who we've, you know, we feel like has been here a long, long time, but he's just been on, uh, on campus for a calendar year. So just looking at those guys and seeing how much difference they can make, not necessarily some of those guys in the, one to 22 on the roster, but the 22 to 45, it's going to make up a lot of your depth and a lot of your special teams. Yeah. That's a great point of how, how, how strong is that base of players and, and, you know, getting baseline for all of those guys. This is a good time of year to do that. Uh, uplifting athletes.org backslash chapter backslash pen dash state. So if you want to uh, donate, I'll throw it up here just quickly on the screen because I want to make sure that I uh, correct what I said earlier. Uh, so here is the website if you want to go to it, upliftingathletes.org. Uh, for that's the Penn State chapter of uplifting athletes. Okay, so uh, Nate, you spoke to Mike Yersich recently, I believe. Um, I did some your notes over at bluewhiteillustrated.com. Great time to go check it out. I wish I had a deal to tell you about of signing up to Blue White Illustrated, but you guys, if you didn't sign up, you missed it. It was an awesome deal. There will be more in the future, but right now, if you want to sign up, I would still do it. Um, you can go over to bluewhiteillustrated.com and get Nate's thoughts on his conversation with Mike Yersich. So what did you learn? What are some of the nuggets that you want to take away and, and share with us here? Yeah, I, I actually, I had both, uh, both offense and defensive coordinator. I have Manny Diaz as well, uh, late last week. And, um, yeah, from, I mean, from Yersich, it's, it's interesting. I think that, that for as much attention is being given to Drew Aller, which is warranted. And of course, right. He's the. He's this major cog and major component to the offense that is a bit of an unknown right now for, for most Penn State fans and certainly the media that follow. Um, for as much as those things are true, uh, Yursich and in conversation, it's like uh, Nick Singleton and Catron Allen. They're they're the they're they're it. Like they're <laughs> they're the guys. They're the guys on on the offense that uh, they are really 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 going to lean on hard and lean into and. They present things, they present problems that, uh, and Yersich said it. He was like, even in even in the best call defensively, these are guys who can win the rep, right? Like they, Singleton can take it 80 yards. Uh, even if you're stacking the box, doing all these different things uh, to try to to try to stifle the running game, it's it's a component that Penn State can feel supremely confident in, uh, but also understand that it needs to be able to help them. It needs to be able to, to, to create the conditions that allow those guys to thrive so that it's not so predictable that they're always going to get the ball in, you know, the most critical moments of a game. So uh, it was, it was a good conversation. I, I thought that, uh, you know, your is, is uh, he's, he's relaxed a little more, I think in the summer, yeah. he's, he's an interesting guy. I mean, certainly all, all three of us can attest to that in, in our conversations with him. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a productive and, and, uh, an interesting conversation that he, uh, that he had with me. 
Uh, somebody asked me this recently, and I know this is probably isn't part of your conversation about uh, what the offense. Did you get into like what the offense, his ideas for it this year, this fall, or the characteristics of it, any of those things? Because somebody asked me, what is the like, what is the characteristic of of a Mike Yersich offense? And I said like. It, it, that it's not predictable, that it's not something that you can just pin down to one thing. So, uh, you know, what did you guys talk about in terms of his vision for this fall, or did you get into that? Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't say that that was uh, the heart of what we talked about, but he he did touch on it. Look, the, the things that have been important to James Franklin since really 2016 remained very important. And so when you cut through all of the specifics i guess it it boils down to explosive plays right like that's it it is it is getting explosives it is uh creating uh good situations for uh i mean points first and foremost obviously but also and something that i thought was somewhat interesting was his how he framed being okay with complementary football right like Mm -hmm. the when you have a defense that's as good as this one is expected to be in special teams that are as, um, uh, that have been capable in the past, you know, obviously there's some, some big questions to answer there this off season. Uh, but when you have those different units, you don't have to hit a home run every single time you touch the ball, but at the same time, that's what they're trying to do. <laughs> that's, yeah. what, that's, what the, that's what the goal is. Um, so yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it, it was, uh Yeah. Uh, Fitz, when it comes to Mike Yersich, this kind of his time at Penn State has been a, really fascinating to me in terms of what they've been able to do year to year. Uh, and I guess that's why I was asking Nate about like, you know, what's what's in store for this year from your perspective, you know, kind of from the program wide. Uh, is that necessarily the function of the talent or a progress towards something? How do you view kind of the offense heading into 2022? I'm sorry, 2023, given like, you know, the importance of some of those critical factors of, of Drew Aller and, and the offense and the identity it might take during the season. I don't think it's anything out of the ordinary. It's it's putting your best guys in the best position to make those plays. And right now, he's, he's I think he's pretty strongly behind the fact that Nick Singleton and Katron Allen are your best guys. And your offensive line's pretty good, which he hasn't really dealt with. Um, not just at Penn State, some other stops along the way. So I, I think that he'll find a way to sort of fold that into the rest of of getting Drew Aller ready, getting yeah. those receivers on the same page. He seemed confident in the receivers in the sense that, yeah, I think they can do it, but I, I think there's also some hesitance there in terms of what can they do? What what are their specialties and how long is it going to take us to figure out what their specialties are to get the, those on the same page with Drew Aller? So I, I just think we're going to see a lot of running. Like, <laughs> I think that that's, that, I think that's a, what it boils down to. Like, I don't want to say keep it between the hashes, but like you've also got some tight ends that you're going to work like Theo Johnson, I think is on the, on the verge of, of taking a big step. Um, and, and I think that that's really what you look for is you, this is an offense that, you know, Mike Yersich, his, um, his reputation is spreading the ball around, getting the ball outside and things like that. But if you can bring it back to the football, like it starts in the middle, you know, at the center. And if you can keep it in the hashes, and be successful like that. I think you have a lot to a lot to work with in the terms of meshing what Ohio State and Michigan are able to do. Like yeah. 
totally polar opposites in terms of Ohio State wants to get the ball outside, Marvin Harrison Jr., et cetera, all those freaks that they've come through at wide receiver and, and spread it around and do that. But Michigan's kind of the polar opposite, and we saw that last year in, at, at the big house. So I think mesh, meshing those two and finding the best uh, best balance, and I think the best balance is going to come from what you can get from your running game. And, and I think that we're going to go back into the same thing probably 40 times before the season – taking as much off of Drew Aller's plate as you can. And and that's not – I don't think that's a slight to Drew, but I think it's a situation where he's going to, I think, be very good at some point. You just don't know when that's going to click. Is that going to be four games in or six games in? And is it going to be too late when it clicks? You know, that's the yeah. that's the big question there. So taking all that off of his plate, putting it on the running game, I think is is just the way that, that it goes. And, it's, and it runs kind of counterintuitive to what he's done over the years in terms of being a, a guy that you would lean to as a pass-heavy guy. Yeah, we'll see how it goes in game this year because a lot of that was also the formula for 2022. And he, sometimes I feel like he just can't help himself. He sees a weakness, he wants to attack it in, in the secondary. Uh, but you, you you make a great point as well about the uh, the style of of Penn State compared to its peers in Ohio State and in Michigan. Not, none of those. Well, maybe Michigan wants to only run the football, but every team wants to have balance. Ohio State really wants to be able to run the football. Last year, that was kind of the thing: is like we're going to be a tougher team. And the running game really never fully clicked for them. So they're also searching for that balance as well. But, but they also have those guys at wide receiver, has they, they've not dropped off. And, True. you know, yeah. you've got to go there. Like, regardless of who the quarterback is, and the quarterback's been good, the last several cycles of, of Ohio State quarterbacks have been good, just leaning to your strengths. And, you know, the offensive line – he, they're a top five, top five team, top three program over the last decade or whatever. But the offensive line has been good. And it's also been, you know, there have been holes. And mm-hmm. pe- people don't realize how, you know, bad, generally bad offensive lines are. Like a, a, an average offensive line is a good offensive line. So I think that that's kind of how you have to. And, and even when Yersich was at Ohio State, he dealt with that. So I, I think that's what you kind of have to f- feel out. And you typically don't get a chance until the live bullets are flying against those really good defenses, which I don't think Penn State's going to see a really good defense until maybe Iowa, if they get some things uh, retooled by the end of September. So we'll check in on all of those things later in the summer. This conversation, as Fitz said, is is not going anywhere. Um, of course, check out everything these guys have to say over at bluewhiteillustrated.com. Uh, quickly, though, I want to make sure we talk about this before we get to anything else, and that is our presenting sponsor of the blue white illustrated live show and that is rogue shop check out rogueshop.com use promo code bwi for 10 percent off uh at rogue shop and if you don't know what that is if you're new to the program here hi i'm t frank and i'm going to tell you about weed gummies that's what we talk that's what uh, rogueshop.com uh they are a small uh, craft cannabis uh, uh company that prioritizes small batch medicine and uh effective healing properties of those things to help you with your traditional western medicine so what i'm trying to say is they're not going to tell you hey you've got this serious medical problem well buy our products it's like hey you have this serious medical problem or you have this chronic medical problem these will help you manage those pain that uh the inflammation whatever it is that you're fighting through this will help you to get through all of those things so check out rogueshop.com to help you live a, a better life they have cbd thc Delta 9, Delta 8, um, and a bunch of other things that you can check out. They have a bunch of, and, and also, however you're interested in ingesting them, they can help you find the way that you're most comfortable with if you're new to this stuff. So just 
here's the thing. Like, even it probably sounds like this during this particular promo read. My brain right now is a fried egg. I had a fever for three days straight. So I don't know that I've had said anything coherent in five days. Uh, one thing that helped me get through it was the Delta, uh, the, um, uh, the Rogue Shop CBD oil, which helps you reduce inflammation, help keep my brain from becoming an over-easy egg, and maybe just a little bit toasted, a little bit fried. So check them out over at rogueshop.com. Use the promo code BWI for 10% off. Help you get through things like, I don't know, a random attack of COVID in the summer. All that stuff can help you, again, live a better life. So let's get to the next thing, guys. And we are going to skip right to one of my favorite segments that we do here on the show. That is the BWI Mailbag. BWI Mailbag is open. Of course, if you've got a question, we're going to do... A little bit of an extended mailbag here. I've got a, a good number of questions from the Blue White Illustrated message board on the Lion's Den forum. So if you want to, we're going to get into those questions. But if you've got a question, throw it in the chat. We want to talk to you live here on the show as well. So Old Man Jenkins, he's leading us off here. He says, Nate, got a non-recruiting stadium question for you. Why didn't Penn State do a flyover at the whiteout game? Would be sweet. I assume there's no military base close enough, which is why. But... Uh, do you have any insight why Penn State does not have a B-52 bomber flying over during the whiteout game to take the spectacle to the next level? I, I mean, there have been flyovers in the past, haven't there? Mm-hmm. I, I vaguely recall maybe the... The stripeout game last year. I uh, had yeah. one. I don't know if it got canceled, but um, aren't most whiteout games at night? Like, isn't that kind of the reason we, we don't have a flyover? Yeah, but not anymore. Okay. Well... But the stripeout game. I guess game, that's not even true. The stripeout game last year was the Ohio State game, and that and was, was a that was the last one I found a flyover for in terms of the when they game. when that they was a new game. yeah when they bring the flag out into the end zone the the north end zone that's the game where there's the flyover, like Military Appreciation Day. I think so. <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm legitimately reading a release last year prior to the Ohio State game, so. Oh, where I'm at with that. That yeah. was my research in this thing. <laughs> Sorry, Somebody's bringing Jenkins. something to the table. <laughs> Sorry, old man Jenkins. I'm not. I'm not sure, but I, yeah, I I like flyover. Uh, the the Rose Bowl flyovers will never be beaten. They're no. always the best flyovers. Even uh, last we, year when they had to pivot to a, a substitute flyover, it was still a great flyover. Yeah, it's the best. Yeah, and that's during um, the day too. So yeah, yeah. so yeah. you can see it. Yeah. So Med2659 says, love the show, guys. Here's his looks like guy that we didn't bring up. Kavion Key, seeing recent pictures of him, he looks bigger than 195 pounds listed on the roster. So he's a he's a looks like guy that we'll be looking at tomorrow. Um, I don't I don't know if I would guarantee like 210, 215 in the uh, you know, in the looks like game here. Fitz, is there anything you want to add here? Can we move on to another question comment? I, I don't have anything on his weight. I mean, he was 190, I think, when he came in uh, for a visit this offseason. So, like, it, it, I mean, he, he does look bigger than that. He's, I mean, he's jacked up, like, let's be honest. So, um, he's going to get bigger, and he's probably already started getting bigger. It was, it was really funny. I was standing behind uh, Carmelo Taylor at camp over the weekend, and he's got, you know, they they go and they get these shakes from the nutrition bar in, in there, 
And I was there for five minutes and three people, including James Franklin, were like, there better be protein in that shape. Like there better be, you better be just like mainlining protein. And, uh, cause he is, he is pretty skinny, but yes, they, they pack it on when these guys get there, they get there and they, they get into workouts that they're not used to. They put their bodies, um, and muscles through, uh, just things that break them down. Like they are, have never done before. And then they, you know, throw them the, the heavy, the, the saturated chocolate milk, the, the heavy shakes and things like that. And it's not hard to put on weight. If your body responds correctly, it's not hard to put on weight very fast. We saw that with Tony Rojas. He put on 30. Yes, Nate. Uh, they're not. They're not drinking high noon peaches. But uh, it's uh, it, those Doctor Pete's work. I can. I can guarantee you. I, I gained twenty pounds one winter when I was lifting and, and going there and buying like fifteen Doctor Pete's. And I don't have a big frame to add on. Those things. Yeah. Those things really work. So, Nate, if you're looking for it, Doctor Pete's well, is what you. Yeah, need. we don't need to. We don't need to go up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Anyway. Yeah, but no, I, I think I mean he's gonna he's gonna get bigger. He's gonna be one of those guys that that I think not blows up right away, but like I would not be shocked to see him at two fifteen in no time. Here's a question I want to start from our pre-selected ones. I like this question a lot because it, it's a uh, it's usually we're talking about younger guys and where who's going to be the next guy to step up. But even good football players need to get better. So Master Hefe asks, what are some of the things you hope our star players, Penn State star players, improve on? Guys like Nick Singleton, Abdul Carter, Olufashinu. Uh, Nate, is there something that you've identified in your guy Nick Singleton that you would like to see him do this year uh, to take himself from a star player to a superstar player? Yeah, he, he has to catch the ball, and he said it. So there's no there's no real mystery there, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I, I think that certainly... Uh, some of the finer nuances that I conveniently ignore, like pass protection, are, are things that uh, that he could improve upon. His understanding of the game uh, has never been um, – it's not – right. like that was one of the differentiating factors between him and Katron last year is, you know, it's like Katron came and he knew how to play running back. Yep. Nick came and knew how to be an awesome athlete who just – scores touchdowns right so so i think that picking up some of those things are important for him but uh that's not sexy and what is sexy is catching touchdowns right? <laughs> him, yeah. him getting all in space uh through avenues that that were not necessarily available to him previously or drop passes I, you know how many drops did he actually have last year i don't think it was that many but it, it's certainly in addition to his game that he can make that i think he He's um, strongly trying to improve upon this offseason. Fitz, uh, first off, just to double check, you got your uh, mic on mute. And uh, what are your thoughts about this? Who who do you think needs to improve and where? Um, who do I think needs improvement? I mean, you look at the three guys that he listed, Singleton, Carter, and Olu. And I'm glad he asked this question because we sometimes fall into the trap of these guys are really good and that's what you're going to get all these years. And there's certainly improvement in pass protection for Nick Singleton, which every running back, especially a guy like Nick Singleton, who who came in and was basically a guy that ran away from people and then, you know, really improved his inside running is going to continue to improve his inside running. Um, but pass protection is like he will leave Penn State and we'll still be talking about improving pass protection because that's what running backs need to do. It's very hard to do that. Uh, Abdul Carter have been saying it from the start. Like he has been a guy that is really, really talented. 
going to be a heck of a downfield linebacker, is already a heck of a downfield linebacker. We saw it at the end of the season. He he got exposed in coverage a few times. So he's going to have to pick up, you know, if we're doing Madden here, he's got to pick up the awareness around him uh, in terms of drops, in terms of his drop zones and and where he needs to be. He can make up for so much with his athleticism, and that's great um, because you can be an eraser. You can do what Micah did. Um, he, I think he's kind of fallen in line with that already. Um, but at the same time, if you're in the right spot to begin with, you can do a lot more. I mean, that's turning knockdowns into interceptions. That's turning uh, hurries into sacks and things like that. So just picking up on the little things around him, continuing to learning to play linebacker, which he, you know, was further along than I think everybody thought he would be. But at the same time, there's still a lot of room for growth. And that's the most exciting thing about Abdul Carter is like he was good last year. He can be off the charts good because of these gifts that he has. So he's just got to pick that up from the, from the mental side. Um, Olu stay healthy, man, <laughs> stay healthy. And I don't think, I mean, he hasn't been injury prone or anything like that, but he's just so freaking good, man. I can't wait to see yeah. him play an entire season, get him back, um, you know, continue working on that foot speed and, and, and things of that nature. And uh, yeah, get him consistently playing beside someone that, uh, you know, they can, they can work a tandem to. I mean, Landon's right beside him. JB Nelson's going to play at that left guard spot. Um, you keep Olu healthy. Um, he keeps continuing to improve on the things that, I mean, this guy was a ten, top 10 pick. Like, yes, he does need to improve, but the margin of error is, uh, is much, uh, much larger, larger or smaller. Nate, what am I, what am I doing here? Larger or smaller? Smaller. Okay. Much smaller than, uh, than those other guys, because he's, he's so freaking good already, but yeah. like you look around and, and where you have stars, that's great. Like chop Robinson, like yeah. I think he's a phenomenal player continues to improve yeah. against the run and probably has reached that inception point where maybe he's a little underrated against the run right now. Cause we talked yes. so, so much about how great he is at pass rushing and how much better he needs to be. And he, you know, Nick Tarburton not being there is a thing. Like that's a thing that they're going to have to deal with in terms of playing against the run. But like, there are definitely things that these teams stars can improve upon and get better at. And, and, and that, again, I go back to that's exciting. That's uh, you, you have not, found a bunch of guys that have topped out and aren't going to get much better um, over the next couple of uh, of years. I think even a veteran player, I'll start here because there's a couple of things I, you, I think you hit on really well with those guys, but uh, Curtis Jacobs, his ability to play through contact, play through trash in the box. He's much bigger this year. I think he's more physical this year. So, you know, that consistency of having two guys that can star at will and having the ability to flex them wherever you want, uh, you know, not just to be good. That was the point. And, and Manny Diaz said that the spring is Curtis Jacobs didn't come back to be good. He came back to be great. So I, I'm in interested to see his development in the box because I think he can do it. Like there was, Fitz, you, you've pointed this out, much more comfortable out in space than he was in the box last year. But it was, there were flashes of when he did it, it was great. And I just, I think the consistency there in terms of run defense against um, teams that can get to him, I think that's an area where he can take a step forward. Chop Robinson tackles for loss and penetration. Hand usage in the run game. This is the thing that always that bothers me when we talk about like draft, draft Knicks. They talk about, well, his hand usage in the run game isn't that good. And it's like, his hand usage is elite. Like, Chop Robinson, the violence and speed he has to use with his hands as a pass rusher, 
that also translates. It's just the consistency of application when it comes to his run defense and getting in the back and being disruptive. Uh, and then the last guy I would say, um, you know, from the original list would be Olu becoming a star run blocker. Good run blocking last year. I think there were some things he could improve upon in terms of applying his play strength. Really, some of those... The, the thing that Rashid Walker did really well is when he was good, he would make spectacular blocks. Olu mm -hmm. is much more consistent, but does not necessarily have as many high-end, destroying people type of run blocks that you would expect from a top 10 uh, player. And that's an area where I think that, you know, Chuck Wilson talked about flexibility, being able to to win those leverage battles for a guy that is very tall. Those are the areas I think that those guys can take a step forward. And I, I expect that. Like this, as you pointed out, I ex you expect those things to get better for these guys. Uh, next question. Good question, by the way. That was a great question. Uh, Gulf Coast Lion. This is something we were going to talk about earlier because Nate actually did a story on Trey Wallace, but uh, somebody asked, can Trey Wallace, Gulf Coast Lion asked, can Trey Wallace be deep threat in the passing game or is he more of a possession receiver? Does he yeah. have the speed to beat elite defenses deep? If not, Wallace or Keandre Lambert-Smith uh, with is, is Amari Evans the fallback in that particular skill subset of a skill set within in the receiver position so nate what did marcus hagan say about what trey wallace can do for the penn state receiver core he called it basketball on grass and obviously he's kind of referring to the fact that trey was an excellent high school basketball player but no that's that's what he has to do yeah. <laughs> like i don't know if he can be a deep threat but he has to be a deep threat if that makes sense uh right i mean i think that when you look back at last season it was getting his feet wet for production, right? He, he, he had his first real action. He didn't really play as a true freshman all that much. Um, but his, he just, he led the team in drops according to PFF, right? I mean, mm -hmm. and that's a, that's one that isn't, I don't think necessarily a debatable stat for, and, for PFF. And the number PFF, of right? targets. So the, yeah. the number of targets too is the concerning part because, you know, you can, you can have seven drops on 120 targets, but when Correct. you have, when you have as many drops on on a limited number of targets being a third or a fourth option, that's that is a bit concerning. He and he had he had 19 receptions on 35 targets with five drops. Yeah. Right. Which is not the worst thing in the world. But again, it, it was more than Parker Washington. It was more than Mitchell Tinsley. Um, and uh, going back to what we just talked about earlier, Singleton was second on the team in drops on yes. only on only 17 targets. 17. Uh, he had four. So. You know, so that's a that's uh, I I'm not making a direct comparison to Malik Mega, but I, I do think that it's OK. These guys are athletic. These guys can do things that other players can't do in terms of their speed. Uh, Drew Aller, I just watched his interview with Adam Brenneman yesterday uh, from earlier this month. And he, he talked about it. He said that his his first eight steps, right? Trey Wallace's first eight steps are different. They're, they're different from other guys. He, his stride is different. Um, that's great, but if you got to come down with the ball, you, you got to be able to make contested catches. You got to be able to, uh, ca catch it when the opportunity is there. So that's, I think a huge thing for him this season is to be able to, to, to put those pieces together. But again, by all accounts, uh, right. There's a lot of optimism and it's not like hoping, wishing on a prayer. It, it seems well-founded that they, that he started to, to put those things together during spring practice. And probably a big reason why James Franklin mentioned him and Keandre Lambert-Smith as the guys that were standing out. Uh, Fitz, you got a follow-up on this, and then I got another question for you, specifically from Beach Wine Guy in the chat. 
My follow-up is I don't know what Trey Wallace is. I think I know. I think I know what he can be, but like I still don't know. Nate mentioned the drops. Um, you know, one one out of seven, I think, on his targets for drops is not not great. Um, but four four guy can run. Um, but but just in burst. I mean, his burst is so good. I I, I imagine his short shuttle is very good. I imagine, you know, the vertical, we've seen it in 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 videos and stuff like that. Like physically and athletically they don't come much better than Harrison Wallace he's just got to turn that corner and, and and get there and and whether you whether he's your go root guy um your 50-50 ball guy which is obviously a misnomer there um but uh i i, I don't know what he is yet he can be something but he's all potential right now to me yeah he's at least the way i understand it and the way i've tried to study this is you know in that position he's been playing in the Penn State offense in the blue white game, he's got to be that guy that gets you those deep targets. Because if you're on the backside of the formation and you've got all of your talent over on in the field, and that's where a lot of these things are, are determined of where you are between the hashes, he's going to get a lot of single coverage. So he's got to be, and that's the, the question of like the misnomer here might be possession guy. You might think of a guy that goes up and get those contested catches, but really the, the role it feels like on the backside where Keandre Lambert Smith uh, operated for Penn state uh, for the majority of last year, that is the big play position. Like you're going to get single coverage. Uh, the safeties are going to shade over towards the primary uh, area of target. So you've got to be able to balance the field. You've got to make them pay for that. And I think that's that's kind of his role in the offense, whether he can do it. I think everyone's pointed out to the things that he, you know, are the questions around that. So Beach Wine Guy asks Fitz, do you think the staff will push for another quarterback or hold off till next year? They talk about two, but really that has kind of seemed to dissipate lately, Fitz. No, I, I don't think they're going to go after another quarterback. I think they're pretty satisfied with with Grunkmeyer. He's uh, he's pretty good, pretty good. So. I don't see that one happening. Uh, hold off until next year. See what's out there. We saw Malik Washington at the 11. He's a guy that I think will emerge as a as a legitimate target for Penn State. You never know with those in-region early offers, but uh, he seems like a guy that can can certainly uh, run the show here. Um, yeah, Grunkmeyer, impressive, impressive showing at the Elite 11. Uh, ended up in the final Elite 11, of course. I don't know if we've talked about this since. Do we, I, don't know, I don't even remember if we talked about this on the recruiting show the other day, um, but really really impressive showing um i uh, can't say enough about like how he's handled himself over the last couple of weeks because there's a lot going to it i mean there's there was a lot of interesting responses to him being selected to the elite 11 at that yeah. camp like politics just committed to penn state we're in state college all that kind of stuff and he goes out and shows it and you know, he, he showed it over the people that he was competing against that day as well out in uh, out in L.A. So uh, kudos to Grunk Meyer, but I think he's going to be the only one. And if you look at the makeup of this class, and it's going to be a very big class, there's still a lot of top targets out there. We talk about receiver. We talk about the defensive line. That's where most of the scholarships are going to go to. Um, I don't see a situation where they're going to, number one, have to turn away a top quarterback uh, top to, to be the second quarterback in the class. And number two, find a spot that where that uh, where that scholarship would be allotted to the quarterback room. So I think um, I think you're about set there. Like you never say never, especially uh, at those positions with the, the way the portal is. But uh, I think they're set with one quarterback and I think they're perfectly fine with the with the one they got. Eric uh, Eisler 
donate to the channel. Always appreciate that. Um, if you had Great a question, question. I like that question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you've got one, throw it in the chat. I'll get it to you later. But Eric, thank you uh, for the donation. Tip jar is always open if you want to donate to a super chat or super thanks afterwards on the show. I don't specifically know how all of that stuff works out because I'm always here on this side. Uh, but I know that uh, there are people in the chat that can help you out if you wanted to donate to the channel. Uh, always appreciated. Not, uh, uh, I don't want to say not necessary because, you know, you never know. But uh, always appreciated. Hey, T. Let's Frank, go. by the way, before we get on, eight of 13 games last year for Trey Wallace with zero or one catch. He's going to have to be more productive. I know it's a different role, um, but going to have to be more productive, more dynamic. And and on a bunch of those were four yards, eight yards, seven yard games. So I think he can do it. Absolutely. But more consistency. Sorry, my brain was stuck on that one. I wasn't going to be able to move to the next one. So sorry about that. <laughs> it's Nate. it's funny you mentioned it, Fitz, though, because I looked at the same stat and said 11 out of 13 games, he had at least one reception. <laughs> okay. And, and I, I looked like, at oh, it well, and I said in four games, he had a reception of 25 yards or more. So, you know, looking at it from a different, a uh, lot of different ways with Trey Wallace. He's Schrodinger's receiver. He's whatever you want him to be. <laughs> right, right now. I mean, you know, that's yeah. uh, the beauty of uh, preseason college football. We love it. Uh, let's get to the next question. I, I like this question. It's kind of a fun off-season question. Nate, what team that is a non-Big Ten team but could potentially be Penn State's ri uh, regular basis rival? Um, if you just pick any 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 player... Sorry, hold on one second. Here's the fried yep. brain. Yep. Any team in the country that isn't a Big Ten team that you just pick to be Penn State's protected rival, who would it be? Poncho570 says he loved Notre Dame. Fan bases, good football, and lots of money to make by putting those two teams together on television. Who are you thinking in terms of Penn State's protected rival in this imaginary situation? Southern Cal. <laughs> there you go. It's not even a stretch anymore. It's not a stretch anymore, and I would love it. I, I like Both of those Rose Bowls were awesome. Uh, certainly not the outcome that Penn State fans wanted, but... Southern California, I'm never going to turn it down. If there was a second choice that actually fits the criteria of the question, I pick Texas. Uh, Interesting. I want to see what I want to see what they're about. I, I don't know. That's uh, it's just a program that I think is interesting compared to to Penn State. The the volatility of Texas and the kind of the steady hand of of Penn State that'd be interesting. Fitz, do you, do you have somebody top of mind that you think from? Uh, you know, whatever perspective you think would make sense. Wasn't even listening. Sorry. I was, uh, <laughs> the Eric who generously donated, I it was asking a question about a recruit and I needed to do some research there. So I just, uh, okay. I didn't, I did not listen to anything that you guys just said. So I'm okay. So let me go. Yeah. Uh, let, let me, you do your research on that question. We'll get to that up. here in a second. I'm going to go with Clemson because, and, and Fitz, you know way more about this than I do, but just in general, when I'm listening and to recruits and I'm listening to people describe the two programs and the kind of the competition they have for certain, you know, good recruits, four-star and above, I think there is a natural uh, level rivalry there. And then to see how it happens on the field, I think would be interesting because here's the thing about Clemson. The other thing I, I want to really understate here, I hate their offense. I think their offense is basic as everything. So like when I see these elite athletes, especially quarterbacks that go to Clemson, they're like, I'm gonna go to Clemson and I'm gonna go to the league. And it's like, uh, they're not really, I, I don't feel like that offense helps you accentuate like, hey, I'm an NFL quarterback. Now they have NFL talent that is at the quarterback position there, but I've never felt like that offense really 
accentuates a really good quarterback. And uh, I don't know, just some of the dynamics of, of the two teams, their personalities, I feel like they're similar in a lot of ways from a program-building perspective. I think they would be good natural rivals, and it also would be a chance for Penn State to, to go up against yet another top-five team. So why not? They're used to it at this point. Fitz, right. here's yeah. the question from Eric on screen. Any idea why Dylan Dufan... Dunthanen from Damascus, Maryland, was completely overlooked by PSU and ever a power five school. And then he lists his uh, abilities. So I, what what do you have here? I, I did a little research. He's going to Albany uh, this year. Okay. And by the way, Damascus has put, put him out, you know, over the years. Um, you look at beyond Brian Bressy, like uh, Jake Funk is in the NFL right now, uh, doing a heck of a job, went to Maryland. He was a guy that uh, was overlooked in his recruiting process, too. So um, certainly can make that jump. Uh, you know, from, from that school, six, three, two thirty. the numbers I have on him are much different than that. Uh, four, six, my numbers are not that as well. And, and running for 200 game, 200 yards a game in a hobby, people hate to hear it, but stats really don't mean anything. Like that's not what, that's not what, uh, college recruiters are looking at. They're not looking at stats. They're not looking at how many yards a game you can, you can rip for it. It's great to put it on a release when you sign the kid. Um, but at the same time, like there, there are so many variables that go into getting those stats, especially for running backs, um, that, that they just don't matter. So I, I think that, you know, he's not as big, he's not as fast as, as he's listed there. Um, or at least the numbers that I have, which are, you know, I think 2022, um, I mean, it, it, it's one of those things where you, where guys are going to get overlooked, and we've seen it in the past. You can you can make the NFL from any level. You can make the, the NFL from Albany, and you know, hopefully, this kid does it. I, I looked up some things real quick, and it seems like a kid worth rooting for. But uh, it's just not always what it seems when you're talking about legitimate scouting. Like it, 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 the question is, how does Penn State and every other Power Five school overlook it? I mean, that's a pretty big body of work right there. There's a lot of Power Five schools that are always looking for athletes to make the roster better and uh yeah it's just one of those things that's where he landed so all the best to him but i i don't have an answer other than maybe some of those things are a little bit uh higher or lower than they should be um unless we get another question in the chat this is going to be our last question of the show today bwv 5014 asks for nate bauer the pga live golf merger would be equivalent to what in college sports bonus question which big 10 college football coach do you think is best at golf, and are you better than that Big Ten coach? Hmm. Wow. Uh, okay. Yeah, this one. This one's different. Uh, I believe PGA and Live Golf merger would be the equivalent to Alabama and Texas A and M combining coaching staffs and programs. Does that make sense? Do you do that off the top of your head? Because that's <laughs> honestly not bad. Yeah, I, I did do it off the top of my head. I did. Uh, but that's that's kind of what it feels like. Um, which Big Ten college football coach is the best? At go- I have no idea. I don't. Right. You I don't mean, golf if, with if, any of them? I, not yet. I mean, certainly there's still time. But uh, no, I have I am not aware of any Big Ten coaches having a reputation as being good golfers. And I would probably lose. I'm not very good right now. I'm a bad golfer currently. It's how, not good. How is that possible? Like, it's not like riding a bike? Because uh, you, you're you know, good at golf and you golf quite a bit historically. So, like, yeah. is it a, just a purely, like, extreme rust situation? Or is there a degradation in talent? 
yeah, no, uh, talent degrades for sure. It, <laughs> it, uh, it's, it does not, it's, uh, it's not as maintain. you know, if you, if you, uh, I don't know. This is stupid, but like if you don't do crossword puzzles for forever and then get back into it, you're not going to be as sharp doing it as you were previously when you do it on a consistent daily basis. So, uh, yeah, with, with something that's a fine motor skill in a lot of ways that uses your full body and those fine motor skills, it's it's hard. It, and Rick, the, the handicap is 8.7 right now. From the live golf question, and PGA is this is the disillusion the the what is the word I, wow words are not good right now uh, the disin the disintegration is the word I wanted to say the disintegration of the NCAA as an enforcing body of of the college football is that equivalent to the live golf merger of basically the NCAA going away with NIL is is that or is it is that not even unprecedented enough. Because no. I was going to say the Big Ten Pac-12 merger is kind of the thing that's about to happen, but then we've had conferences merge for fifty years at this point. Yeah, but you have to. You have to. Uh, the whole point of this, at least from the public perception, is that you have to deeply resent each other. Ah, uh, okay. And I, I and in in college football, uh, yeah, Texas A&M and Alabama, I feel like are the are the closest to that. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, interesting question. Well, that uh, that petered out. That's the end of the show. <laughs> Fitz, well, I, save us. <laughs> I think Matt Rule probably like is maybe your best golfer. I don't know. He uh, is he's he? A, he was a pro coach, so like that's the thing. Like you look at the college coaches, and these guys are wound. Num- some of them wound way too tight to golf. PJ Fleck, I don't think would be a very good golfer. Harbaugh, just I mean, I know he spent some time in the pros, and he's probably could be in that mix, but I, I don't see him sitting still for 18 holes, you know, staying on the same course for 18 holes. Um, but all these guys are mostly college guys and those college guys don't have the time that those pro guys have. And they also don't have the patience probably for, um, and this is something that I, that I heard about my father. My father was a really good athlete. Um, but he tried to play golf and he wasn't good at it right away. So he said no golf. Like that. I feel like there's a lot of these guys, these college coaches who are really good at everything that they do, they pick it up and golf is stupid. You know, that's kind of where, where we're at with that. So, but Matt rule coaching the pros, uh, you know, a quick Google search says he's been on a golf course. So, um, so I'm going to go with, with Matt rule. I think, I think Nick Saban is a pretty good golfer. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think now that he retired, I know that he, he plays a lot, but, um, (laughs) like, could you see Pat Fitzgerald playing golf? Like, no, that's a good point. Uh, maybe like an out no no we're not even gonna get it (laughs) guys we gotta get going uh so thank you so much for your time today been a fun laid-back show appreciate all of your efforts and everybody in the chat thank you so much as well um we're gonna call that for the show today so make sure you subscribe to blue illustrated here on youtube because we got a lot of stuff coming up today tomorrow and the day after, there's a lot of things happening here in June. So subscribe to BlueWoodIllustrated.com. Um, you can sign up for a monthly subscription or a year subscription. I think the year is vastly worth your money. And of course, it's totally free to do it here on YouTube. I'm Thomas Rankart, Nate Bauer, Sean Fitz. We'll get out of here. We'll talk to you later.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.